0: Well, you see at the top of your study guide today, we're talking about the topic freedom from the curse, freedom from the curse. A couple of things you need to know about this study right off the bat is that, first of all, this is one of those studies that is up and down. I mean, there, there are a lot of exciting things to talk about in the study, but there's also a lot of scary things to talk about in a study. Now, when I say scary things, please understand I'm not talking about the kind that you have to hide your children from. Uh, I am just talking about this is just scripture, this is truth, this is exactly what God wants us to know. And so there's going to be some highs and some lows. Just be ready for that as we make our way through the discussion. But then also understand that uh, because of the content, it's very simplistic in nature, but it's extremely important. And it's very, very important that we listen to every word of it, that we get every part of it for some of us this is going to be new information for most of us it's going to be things we've heard as we've grown up in church as we've as we've lived our lives as Christians we've known these things for a while so then it's a refresher course for some it's going to be a challenge to know Christ for others it's going to be a challenge to share Christ and so I want you to pay very careful attention and one thing I would ask you to do is please don't put your notes away at any time during this discussion. It's going to be several times when I ask you to add things, but I'm also praying that God will so direct your heart, will so challenge your life through the course of this study that there'll be things that you just want to write down, that you need to keep up with. And so you're going to jot those down on your sheet as we move through our discussion this morning, okay? So here we go. We're talking about Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. We're going to deal with this one verse today. This is a verse that God has impressed upon my heart for this service, so follow along with me. Here we find it said, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, because this information is so significant, it is so important, what I would love for you to do now is join me and let's read this together, okay? So if you've got your copy out, look at it. Let's read this together. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Okay, so like we did last week, I want to do the same this week and make our way through the discussion by asking questions. Three questions that'll jump out at us. There's going to be some additional questions that you may want to jot down as we make our way through the study. But three uh, significant questions that'll bring out details regarding this passage of Scripture. And I think it's important where we start. And so where we're going to start is with the word that most of us may not understand, at least may not understand it completely. And so number one, get ready to write, what does it mean to be redeemed what does it mean to be redeemed it's important to understand this word because if we don't understand this word then the rest of the verse is going to be somewhat limited in our scope of of getting it and so we've got to know what it means to be redeemed and there's a definition I want you to write down if you would you can just write the word redeemed or put it out beside the question whatever you choose to do will be fine but it simply means this to buy comma, to pay off, comma, or to purchase. To buy, to pay off, or to purchase. To buy, to pay off, or to purchase. Now, let's expand on this a little bit. One thing we need to know is that there is a price for freedom. Freedom. Just as in our country last week, Memorial Day, we saw that there was a price paid for the freedom of our nation. This week, talking about spiritual elements and spiritual aspects, there is a price for our freedom. We're going to go into that in more detail as we move along, but we have to understand that there is a price, and we also have to understand that the price is so significant that there is no way that we can pay the price ourselves. That's a little bit discouraging to think about. That freedom is out there, it's available, and all we have to do is pay this price to get it, and yet the problem is we do not have the means to satisfy such an incredible debt. It's a significant debt. There's no way, even if we pulled all of our resources together, there's no way for us to even purchase the freedom of one of us in the church today. None of, no way. And so there's a significant debt that is due. But here comes the good news of the situation. Christ has redeemed us. Christ has bought us, paid for us, purchased our freedom. Christ himself purchased our freedom. You see... God looked upon our situation and he recognized the fact that we did not have the freedom, that we could not purchase the freedom, and therefore we were doomed. We were very much in a very difficult place at the mercy of the one who was holding the note of our indebtedness. And because we were in this situation, God looked upon our helpless situation. He looked upon us as doomed individuals and from His vast resources reached in and pulled out the one element that would satisfy the dead in full. And God removed the one element from His presence, placed it in a spot to where the most benefit could be made, and God used it to pay the price of our freedom. So we go then from that which is somewhat scary, that which brings some intimidation and the fact that we cannot purchase our freedom to something that is very exciting to see that God Himself reached into His resources and pulled out the one and only thing that would satisfy the debt and paid it in our behalf. It's an amazing concept. So we find then that Christ has redeemed us. But I think the next logical question that would come out of this verse is to understand from what? From what, number two, from what have we been redeemed? Okay, from what have we been redeemed? What is this big deal? This significant payment that was made by God Almighty has paid the price of our freedom, but from what were we to be freed from? Okay, if you notice the second part of the verse, let's just continue reading. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law. Let's break this down a little bit so we can get a better understanding. Maybe you're familiar with what the law means. and Maybe you're not. Either way, let me just briefly explain to you what the law is. God has established a form of our our standard for living, if you will. And that form is through commandments. He's given us a group of commandments. Many of us are familiar with the Ten Commandments, which is part of the law, but is not the entire content of the law. In fact, there are hundreds of commandments that make up the law of God. And so God has given us this pattern, this path, and he says, here is what you are to do. You are to keep the law, and you are to keep it, Perfectly. Perfectly. Now the perfectly part is extremely significant. Because God says the only way for you to enter into eternal life on your own, the only way for you to purchase freedom for yourself from the curse of the law is to live the law in perfection. Now that in itself, while it sounds simple enough, is actually one of the most incredibly scary things we could contemplate, because there is no way for us to achieve that. No way. You think about what the law is, and let me just bring out some of the commandments, some of the things we may be most familiar with. That we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and spirit. If at any time you are not loving God completely and fully, you have broken the law. That we are not to lie. If at any time you have lied, whether a big lie or a little lie or one that you say is so insignificant it doesn't matter, you have broken the law. We are not to steal, we are not to kill, we are not to bear false witness, we are not to commit adultery, we are to have no other gods before God. If at any time we break any of these aspects of the law, we have broken the law so that whether we break it in the smallest area or the largest area or in every area, the law of God has been broken and it can never be mended in our lives. It's broken. So we went from what's expected of us, God expects us to live the law perfectly if we're going to buy our freedom from the curse of the law and enter into eternal life when we leave this life and step into the next, to now being in a position where we realize there is absolutely no hope for us whatsoever. Because the Bible clearly tells us in Romans 3.23 that we have all sinned. And therefore, we fall short of God's glorious standard. We have all sinned. We have all broken the law. We have all rebelled against God. That means the same thing those three do. And therefore, we fall short of this glorious standard. And what is that glorious standard? Perfection. We fall short of a glorious standard. There is no perfection to be found in mankind. The only one who ever lived the law perfectly on this earth was Jesus Christ. The rest of us fall short of that standard. That creates for us an incredible problem. An incredible problem because if we can't get into eternal life, then the only alternative is eternal punishment. You see, the problem for us is when we break God's law, we then owe this price of freedom to God Himself. Because He is the one who holds the note. We've broken His law, therefore a payment must be made to God to pay for breaking His law. The problem is that price is death. Not just physical death. But eternal death, eternal separation from God, eternal damnation in a place called the lake of fire. Now, I told you there were highs and lows. Here we are on one of these lows. Because when we talk about spending eternity in the lake of fire, we're talking about a never ending torment. Never ending. How scary is that? And so we find ourselves in a very desperate situation. Because the only hope for mankind within himself is to live perfectly a law that he can never live perfectly. But herein is the incredible beauty of the answer to question number one. Because here we find that God looked upon our helpless, doomed, desperate situation. And in His great love and kindness and mercy for us, reached into His vast resources and took out the only thing that would satisfy the debt and paid it for our freedom. Wow. God paid for our freedom so that the curse of the law would be broken. For everyone who would allow the payment that was made by God to be applied to their sin, to them breaking the law, to their rebellion against God, That in itself is extremely significant. So we find then that we have been redeemed. Our freedom has been purchased by God. And that He has purchased our freedom to free us from the curse of the law. So then the third question I think becomes really important. Because if we see this significant payment, and remember it is significant, we can't afford it. We can't achieve it. There's no way we can be good enough to earn it. There is no hope within us to achieve payment of this debt. But God reached in and pulled out that which would satisfy the debt and paid it on our behalf, a significant payment Then the next question, question number three, I think logically follows and it's this. Get ready to write. What was the cost? What was the cost? What is this payment that was so significant? What was it that was required to pay such an incredible debt for mankind? as we continue reading in the verse we find the answer Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree Christ has become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree so what was it that? God had to reach in and pull out the only thing that would satisfy the debt was Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ sacrificing Himself on a cross of Calvary, shedding His blood to pay the price of our freedom. It was the only way That there could possibly be freedom from the curse of the law. It was found in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. You see, money wouldn't do it. Possessions wouldn't do it. Being a good person wouldn't do it. The only thing that was effective was Jesus Christ. You see, death is required for the sacrifice. Death is required for the sacrifice. The payment that's required is death. So then either we as the debtor pay the price of our freedom or pay the price of our sinfulness of breaking the law of God and we pay it for all of eternity because we're not perfect and therefore our debt will never be fully paid. We pay for it throughout all of eternity or else... We accept the incredible kindness and goodness of Almighty God in paying the debt for us to satisfy that which we owe. It was when Jesus Christ stretched His arms out on the tree as He suffered torment, the torture, the embarrassment, the shame, the rejection, that He paid in full the price that we owed. His last words from the cross. It is finished. I've satisfied the debt. I've paid it in full. Nothing else needs to be done. It is finished. So then he who knew no sin, he who had never broken the law, he who was not guilty of rebellion against God, Became sin, became the curse, so that we might become the righteousness of Almighty God. So that God might forgive our sin and show us pure and holy before Him. Now in my way of thinking, that leads to an additional question that I wish you would write down. And let me just tell you why I think so. Because it is true what we said in answering question number two, that freedom was given, the curse of the law was broken, for those who would accept the payment of God as payment for our personal wrongdoing. And it is true that only that payment will satisfy the debt. It is true that there is no way to eternal life other than through this sacrifice, through this incredible payment. So then the question I think, we ought to be asking is, okay then, how do I take that payment that Christ made for me and apply it to my sin? How do I take the payment of Christ and make it payment for my sin? Okay, a couple of things involved in the answer. Number one is that we cannot do that. So then once again we go from high to low because there's freedom, there's relief from eternal punishment, eternal separation, but yet we can't obtain it. I can't go out and get it, I can't make it work for you, because the truth is that I can forgive no one, not even myself. But the good news now takes us to this incredibly great place. Because the Bible was very clear that there is a way for that to be done. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, that if we will call upon the name of the Lord... And if we will believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead, we can be saved. Okay, so what we find then is what I can't do by myself, what I can't do for you, what you can't do for me, God is willing to do for us. The Bible says that this is a work of God. It's not a work of me. It's not something that I can boast about and say, look at how great I am. Look at what I've accomplished. Because from beginning to end, this is a work of God. God now says, if you will understand and and communicate with your mouth that Jesus truly is Lord of all. And that he died in your place. And if you will believe in your heart that God didn't leave him in the grave to rot, but after three days in the tomb, God brought him back to life, and you can be saved. It says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So then it's, it's a matter of saying something like this, talking to God, we call that prayer, but just, just talking to God and saying, God, I... I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've broken Your law. And I know I need a Savior. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and that He died in my place. And I believe that after three days, You gave Him His life again. And Father, I believe that by asking You, You will forgive my sin and you will give me a home with you throughout all of eternity. It's a matter of understanding that what God says about His Son is absolutely true. And then responding to what He's asked. So what do we do with this information? You know, I think there's a couple of very specific things. Number one, if you do not know Jesus Christ, and you feel God calling you to Himself today, that today you come and straighten it out. You deal with what's going on today. Number two, that maybe you've seen again the incredible greatness and love of Almighty God today you want to submit yourself once again to God to share that information with those who desperately need it because there's no options once we get to eternity it's already established and there's not like a hundred different places that we may end up it's one of two it's eternal life a place we refer to as heaven or it's eternal damnation a place that is called in the Bible the lake of fire So then maybe today it's just that we renew our commitment to tell people about Jesus Christ.